invest in your story, invest in your awareness, invest in your brand and invest in making sure that you're front of mind when potential customers are thinking about switching PMS or switching guest experience or whatever it is. So it's making sure that you're front of mind. And it's also remembering that your job is to educate your customers. Welcome to the second season of The Modern Hotelier, the fastest growing hospitality podcast. Both hosts were named top 100 most powerful people in hospitality and voted fourth most popular podcast by the International Hospitality Institute. Each episode will get to know an industry expert and we'll discuss the latest trends in hospitality to help you, the modern hotelier. Welcome to The Modern Hotelier. I'm your host, David Malili. And I'm your co-host, Steve Caron. And I'm the producer, John Boomhofer. This episode is sponsored by Curator Hotel and Resort Collection. Curator Hotel and Resort Collection is a distinct collection of small brands and independent lifestyle hotels and resorts worldwide, founded by Pebblebrook Hotel Trust and a group of industry-leading hotel operators. Curator provides lifestyle hotels access to a wide breadth of program offerings to enhance the guest experience, improve employee engagement, and create value while allowing their members the freedom to retain what makes their hotels unique. It offers the benefits of associating with other unique lifestyle hotels and brands while participating in best-in-class operating agreements, services, reporting, and technology. In addition to Pebblebrook, the founding members of Curator include Davidson Hospitality Group, Noble House Hotels and Resorts, Sage Hospitality Group, Springboard Hospitality, and Viceroy Hotels and Resorts. Steve, who do we have on the program today? Yes, David. Today we have on Jessica Gillingham, founder and CEO of Abode Worldwide. Abode Worldwide is a global public relations agency on a mission to supercharge the authority of the tech pioneers and enterprise operators, transforming the way they work, rest, and play. Jessica was also named on Logify's 2023 list of top 48 inspiring women in the vacation rental industry. Welcome to the show, Jessica. Thank you, Steve. Really pleased to be here and excited for our conversation. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Jessica, we're going to start out, we're going to go through three sections. We're going to get to know you a little bit better. We're going to talk about your career, and then we're going to jump into some industry topics. Sound good? Sounds perfect. Okay. What was the worst job you ever had? Ah, really good question. So I worked in the marketing department of a conservatory blind company. So a company that made blinds for conservatories. I'm not actually sure what you call conservatories in the US, but sort of basically like awnings and things like that. And I was the marketing manager and it was a very dull, boring job trying to get people interested in this very sort of boring product. So that was one of my worst jobs. Are you a morning or a night person? I'm a morning person. So I get up early. So I get up at about six and I do exercise and different things there. And I like to start work early. I'm usually asleep by about half nine. Okay. All right. Good. So if you had to delete all the apps on your phone, except for three, what three apps would you keep on your phone? So I, my family would say I'm completely addicted to LinkedIn. So I would, I would keep LinkedIn. I would keep you know, my, my blanking app, I'm afraid I would keep a very sharp eye on that one. And then I would also keep my YouTube channel, probably just for looking at things. And anytime I want to just to chill out and check out a bit, just get on a bit of YouTube. Yeah, I might, I might pick the same three. What's the most used emoji you use? 
Uh, thumbs up. Seconded by Muscles. Do you have a favorite singer? So do I have a favorite singer? I do, and it's Van Morrison. I have loved Van Morrison since I was about 16, and I was introduced to him by my first boyfriend. So Van Morrison probably would be my absolute favorite. And I have been lucky enough to see him live in Cornwall in a place called the Eden Project, which was, which was really lovely. That's great. Do you have a favorite restaurant? So do I have a favorite restaurant? I... Oh, I might have to um, think about that one. I'm not sure if I've got an answer to that one, day. Favorite type of food? So favorite type of food, vegetables are my favorite type of food, whether and however they're cooked. All right, good. So if you had your own talk show, who would your first guest be? So the first name that came to mind would be Oprah Winfrey, because I would love to interview the queen of interviewing to find out a little bit more about her and have her on the other side, probably. That's a good answer. So if you had a time machine and you could go to the future or to the past, which way are you going and what year are you going to? So it's interesting. When we were just talking about Portugal, I often think if I'm in a a fairly historic city or town, which is obviously I live in England, we have them all over the place, I often wonder what it would be like to be walking around these streets a hundred years ago. And, you know, before we had cars, before we had so much busyness. So I think probably I would probably go, I live in a city called Bath, which um, is a, a beautiful Roman Georgian city in the Southwest of England. So I would probably go to Bath about a hundred years ago and see what it was actually like with people walking around without the cars, without all the traffic, without all the chain shops that we have or, or whatever, and see what, what a city was like back then. I've been to Bath. It's even beautiful today. I think Peter Gabriel lives on the outskirts. Yes, of, yes yeah. he does. I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah. Van Morrison actually used to live here too. Okay. So. Wow. Very cool. Well, that was great. Now we'll kind of get to a little bit of your backstory, what makes you tick a little bit. So you mentioned you're currently living in Baths right now, and you went to an independent day and boarding school for girls in Baths. Did you grow up in Baths or? So, so you've done your research. I, so, so I have a bit of a mixed background. Despite my very English accent, I'm Canadian as well as British. So I have legs in part of both camps. And Steve, you and I met in Toronto at High Tech, and that was kind of, it's my second home in a way, Toronto, but I am very sort of settled here. I lived in Hong Kong till I was eight as well, and then I moved to Bath when I was about maybe 10, somewhere somewhere like that. And I did actually go to an independent girls' school. I got a free place to an independent girls' school. So I was very lucky to get a very good secondary education. So, yeah, so I am from Bath. I moved back about 10 years ago. In between that, I had lived in Canada on and off in different places, in London, of course, and various other places in the UK. But I came home, if you like, about 11 years ago. Very nice. How did growing up in, you know, Hong Kong, Canada and Bath, kind of like all those different cultures, how did that shape you into who you are today? So I think it really gave me an interest in travel. It gave me an interest in seeing things beyond the horizon as well. And growing up in Hong Kong in the 70s was very interesting. It was still a colony of of the United Kingdom. It was very multicultural. It was a very interesting beginning. 
So I think it just gave me a real taste for differences, but also for just seeing things that, that are different, really. And the Canadian part of it very much was integral. You know, I spent summers over there and it was always, you know, I, I absolutely loved the Canadian summers and the Canadian vacation experience compared to the UK one. But as you can see, I now live in the UK because ultimately I chose here. So you got your bachelor's at Nottingham Trent University, a diploma in public relations. What got you interested in PR? I love PR. Absolutely love it. But I started my career working in travel and I worked in tour operating in the beginning. And that love of Canada that, I, that I've talked about and that sort of crossover that I have between UK and Canada, I very intentionally went into Canadian tourism and I worked for a tour operator specializing in Canada. And I'm very entrepreneurial by nature. When I was a child, I had always had little businesses, you know, selling cookies or, or making things and selling them on street corners, you know, and I had jobs from the age of 14. So, so that's always been very much part of my background. But when I left university, I decided I wanted to live in both places. So I went, I thought, well, I might as well start in travel and, and do that. And I wanted to start a travel business that was sending people to vacation rentals, holiday cottages on Canadian lakes. So I thought, right, what do I need to do? I need to get some experience and I need to learn how to do that. So that is how I started. Firstly, in, I started in marketing and then I moved into PR. And I just found that I was actually very good at PR. I was good at storytelling. I was good at relationships. I was good at business strategy, but translating that into, you know, storytelling. And I love a challenge as well. And PR is a very challenging thing to do. You know, you, it is challenging to try and find and connect dots and, and, and get a company out there and things like that. But I just found that I was very good at it. And I loved it as well. So just like anything, I kind of found my niche, if you like. I love that. And you actually wrote your thesis in grad school about Canada, a destination for a family holiday. Did that kind of inspire you to start this company? Was that kind of the groundwork you laid? So actually, that was my diploma in public relations. Okay. My thesis at university was a feminist lens of international relations. Okay. So that was what my, my bachelor degree is in. And that was very interesting. But this was my diploma in in PR that is a postgrad and I actually I did it just as social media was coming out so we were looking at the impact of influencers and the impact of social media on destinations and in particular I was looking at Canada but it feels like quite a long time ago that <laughs> time goes fast we all agree <laughs> well, I'm so impressed with your research guys ah, thank you thank you so now we'll dive into your your career a little bit. So after college, you were you were in a few marketing and PR roles. Then in 2013, you founded Triptos Canada. You yes. know what really caused you to start your own company? So as I said, I wanted to do something that meant I could spend time in Canada but live here. So it seemed like a natural thing to do would be to start a travel company that I'd have to go over there regularly, but I could still have a base here. But actually what I also really saw, and this was just after Airbnb had launched, you know, it was, it was just at that kind of time. And because of my experience of growing up in Canada and go, or, or grow, going every summer to Canada, I knew what it was like to go on an Ontario cottage 
vacation and stay in a what Canadians call a cottage on a lake, you know, a beautiful cabin on a lake, a home on a lake. And in my view, it was the most wonderful vacation that anybody could ever have. Beautiful, you know, everything about it was perfect. But it was a, it was a type of vacation or holiday that was not available to anyone outside of Canada, really, and definitely not British people because they just didn't know about it. There just wasn't the awareness that this was a possibility. Plus, there wasn't really a way to book it. So even though Airbnb was in cities and it was still very much doing just the, you know, the rooms in homes, they had no presence in Canadian cottage country at that time. So I thought I would bring. Canada, particularly the Canadian cottage experience to British people. So I started Triptos and we actually expanded it to other kinds of family holidays. So canoe trips, motorhomes, anything that was specifically good for a family. Awesome. Growing up, we would do the same thing, go to cottages on the lake. So that type of vacation really uh, brings back good memories for me. So Triptos Canada actually did so well. It was named the Guardian Startup of the Year in 2014, a year after you founded it, and then won the Travel Mole Best Accommodation website in 2014 as well. What was the secret of building up your website and getting traction so quickly? So I think it was my PR skills and brand. You know, we had a really good, strong brand. We had a really good idea, a really good niche as well, you know, very much focused on one destination and one type of traveler. You know, we weren't trying to do all things for all people and one type of product as well. So I think that was all very good in terms of why we were a Guardian Startup of the Year and why we won the Travel Mall. We also did, you know, we did have a fantastic brand, plus good PR as well. That's great. So in 2017 is when you founded Abode PR, correct? That's and correct. Then, which now is called Abode Worldwide, with the vision of bringing innovative technology into the short-term rental space. What made you passionate about the whole idea of technology and making sure that that was brought into that space? So it was a natural follow-on from what I was doing at Triptos. And what I realized and why I went initially into the short-term rental space is I saw that there was a, it was a burgeoning sector. It was, you know, not long after Airbnb. And I started to sort of really see that there was so much opportunity. There were loads of tech companies that were coming into the space, ones that now are big names, but at the time were just little startups. So I saw that there was opportunity. I mean, I am entrepreneurial by nature. I can spot gaps and things. I started it with that sector very much in mind. And actually, originally, we also did operators. But it was actually the tech companies that needed the PR support. They needed that help to differentiate themselves within the marketplace so that the property managers and the operators would pick them over their competitors or, or pick nothing at all. So a lot of the early work that I did with clients was actually educating the market as well on what the technology could do for their businesses. Now, I'm not a technical person at all. So, you know, when you ask me, what are my three apps? I have to really think about it. And they're not exactly <laughs> apps that are very exciting. Right. However, what I can see and what I have got the ability to do is to see how technology can just help simplify things and make things better. So whether that's for the guest or the, the hotel manager, operator or whatever, and translate it into words, stories, 
coverage, whatever it might be, that is makes sense for the end user, makes sense for the readers and the audience, rather than just be very much about the technical aspects. Almost four years ago, you started Pillow Talk Media. Can you tell us more, share more about that? Yeah, so Pillow Talk Media is, it's really a newsletter where I share ideas and musings about all the lodging sectors. So the sectors that I'm interested in is around how they're converging. So for instance, short-term rentals and hotels and extended stay apart hotels, how that is all kind of blending and changing, particularly over the last three years, but also how multifamily and extended stay and the hotel experience are all kind of converging and, and merging. So pillow talk is a bit of a pun on, you know, basically it's where we lay our head, you know, whether that is a hotel room, a short-term rental or a living sector accommodation or a multifamily. It's really about where property and hospitality meet. So it's insights around the convergence of all those sectors. Very nice. So now is the part where we kind of shift more into industry thoughts and your thoughts on certain trends right now. So the first thing I want to talk to you about is, you know, the impact of storytelling. We hear storytelling a buzzword right now, but really, how can storytelling impact the short-term rental space? So really, it can impact any space. So whether it's short-term rental or it's hotel or it's car buying or whatever it is, it's about making sense of what it is that you want to get across and making that connection. So it might be around data storytelling. So it might be around this is what we're seeing in the market. So rather than just giving facts and figures and percentages or ADRs or whatever it is, it's actually translating into something that somebody's actually going to read and engage with and find useful. So it might also be around storytellers telling around customers, you know, even just case studies or success stories or, or challenges, that kind of thing. So it's around being able to get, or also get a brand and be able to translate it in a way that makes sense and, and others who are, who are maybe reading something or watching something or whatever can connect to. And so what, what can short-term rentals do to really stand out? And, and why do you think people choose short-term rentals over just traditional accommodations? That is a, a really co quite complex question, really, in, in many ways, because some people would say that they still don't, you know, that it, that, you know, the hotel market is, is, is an extremely buoyant, strong, strong market or, or wherever else anyone might choose to stay. But, you know, t technically, if you're a visitor, you have got those two choices. Now, over COVID, there was a real boom in, in the short-term rental or vacation rental or whatever you want to call it. And that was because it was perceived to be more safe, to be in your own accommodation and not be in shared, you know, any shared spaces or anything. So that was a boost. However, short-term rentals in terms of their market share was growing before that. That just accelerated. And before what, really what it is, is that there was more opportunity for guests to choose it. So with the advent of Airbnb, that's a whole marketplace that, you know, 10, 12 years ago was not there. So there was no way to choose a vacation rental, short-term rental without that. Then other OTAs such as Booking.com put short-term rentals and hotels within the same, you know, the same search functions. And, you know, a media brand like Skift is really pushing short-term rentals. They now have a short-term rental newsletter. They have an own summit, things like that. 
So I think it's also that travelers are looking for things differently. You know, there might be what we call those, you know, the digital nomads or the pleasure trends. No one wants to stay in a hotel really for longer than maybe three days or three nights. So it's giving that choice. So you you, you said you and Steve met at high tech in Toronto. I was there. Whether it be high tech or somewhere else, is there one kind of piece of technology that you are excited about that's that's coming out in, in just the hospitality space in general? That's a really good question. And I should probably really think about that one. So I guess there are two there are two things that pique my interest, if you like. It's, of course, anything that makes the guest experience smoother, more streamlined, more user-friendly, more intuitive. So anything that does that for the guest, and there's lots of different you know, types of technology that does that. But the other side of it is what technology actually works for owners. So particularly in the short-term rental space, is there any, because owners are often the biggest pain for managers, but also really the customer they want, because they're the ones that own the asset. And I guess that might be the case also for hotels or other kinds of lodging, particularly, you know, smaller hotels, anything that help owners understand the value that they're getting from their manager, their operator is also really interesting and a much more overlooked part of technology. One of the big talks in hospitality is about, you know, robotics and things that are replacing people in in short term rentals. Is there any talk of that right now or not, not yet? So not yet. And I obviously was at high tech and saw the robotic stuff and, and, you know, it's all really interesting and all really exciting and stuff. You know, there's, I work in PR. I know that also there's probably very good PR behind the robots. I think with hotels and short-term rentals and any other of the lodging spaces, any technology that can create efficiencies and reduce costs and deal with friction and deal with issues such as you know, everywhere across the world is dealing with staffing problems. It's not just hospitality, but anything that can reduce those problems and create opportunity efficiencies, etc., then absolutely it will go with one to the other. But at the moment, we're not seeing it at the big short-term rental conferences. I've yet to see a robot. Okay, that's interesting. (laughs) It's good to know. So you said uh, the gold rush is over in the short-term rental space. What did you kind of mean by that? And what is next for the short-term rental space? I think that the short-term rental space did incredibly well over COVID because for those reasons that we said, plus there was huge amounts of investment coming into the space. You know, before we've had our financial issues and, you know, that every kind of country is facing in the investment and the capital, there was huge amounts of capital coming into the short-term rental space. So on one level, that was all happening. That has now eased off somewhat. And then also guests aren't just all sticking with short-term rentals. They are happy to go back to hotels and and, and things like that. And hotels are coming out very strong. You know, some hotel brands are doing their own extended stay or, or, or apartments, you know, moving more towards that way. But actually what I also meant is that owners, the asset owners who during COVID times, were quite happy to buy a second home and give it to a manager to rent out. They were getting really high returns on their investment. They are no longer seeing those returns, partially because of, you know, mortgage costs are going up and and things like that, but also because the the revenues that short-term rentals attracted is definitely lessened. So for the owners, they're no longer 
seeing it, you know, they're, they're contracting from the market as well. So I think that there was a bit of a false sense of short-term rentals were, you know, really going somewhere, but we're seeing collapses of company, CASI, which was a big South American vacation rental company with lots of funding, lots of kind of look fantastic, all of that just recently has closed its doors. You know, I think that it was like the golden, you know, the golden, whatever it is, nothing could go wrong than actually things are. Plus, the big issue also is regulation as well. And, you know, everywhere across all countries, regulation and governments are really looking at how short-term rentals are, are how they are existing and and what how they can kind of control and manage that. So, yeah. And since that gold rush is over, you know, we were specifically talking about lake houses in Canada. How do those owners differentiate themselves from other lake houses that might be in Canada? So really, owners typically will use a manager who will do all of that. And for particular destinations, like, say, lakeside ones in Ontario, for a long time, they didn't really need to do anything to differentiate themselves. They would get a guest no matter what, because there's a limited supply. However, people can also travel more than we could even two years ago. Remember, we couldn't really go anywhere for a while either. So we were, many of us were going into our domestic markets and things like that. So today, you know, I read a headline today that said, I think we're a bit worried about US domestic tourism because you're all over here. You're in Portugal, (laughs) you're in my city, you know, you're not traveling locally so much. So how they differentiate themselves. I think with owners of properties, really what they do is they go through a manager and a manager has to be very good at certain things. So they have to be very efficient in the way that they're running a property. They need to market it really well through whichever OTA or direct. And they have to get everything right. They have to have really good guest reviews, really good guest experience. It is a difficult market increasingly to succeed in. Absolutely. And one of the final questions here, what's your advice, what's your PR advice, put on your PR hat for you know those hospita- hospitality technology companies out there? So my big advice would be do it, you know, invest in your story, invest in your awareness, invest in your brand and invest in making sure that you're front of mind when potential customers are thinking about switching PMS or switching, you know, guest experience or whatever it is. So it's making sure that you're front of mind. And it's also remembering that your job is to educate your customers You know, when we are talking about technology, we're talking about new ways of doing things as well sometimes. So it's a way of educating the customers and educating. So, for instance, you know, at high tech, I talked to lots of tech companies who basically said is sometimes we can sell. We can sell our product to whoever it is that's buying it, but actually getting ground staff to implement it and actually getting the take up to happen is really difficult because the education piece isn't there. Using anything new takes a lot of time. There's a lot of change management, et cetera, that needs to go on. So it's remembering that it's also about educating as well as that awareness piece. Absolutely. That's great. Well, now we, uh, I'm going to turn it over to John here. He's been listening this whole time. So he's going to, he's got one final question for you. So like Steve, I grew up in the Midwest and, you know, going on vacations as a kid, we always went to the lake house or to the lake or something like that. And that's a huge thing in the Midwest for Steve in Wisconsin. I grew up in Michigan. And I'm curious, what is like the one 
thing that drew you to that kind of experience? Why did you like it? And my second question would be, how do you, you know, you, you started doing PR for things like that. How would you communicate the value or the experience that you loved to other people? Firstly, why I came to that was because I had experienced it as a child. And I think our early experiences are often the ones that are most profound. You know, I remember swimming in a lake, listening to the loon, seeing the stars in the sky, you know, completely unlittered. And actually, last summer, I spent six weeks with my family in, in Canada. and We were at a lake for the summer and things like that. I mean, we work with tech companies. So really, you know, I'm used to kind of how do I translate passion to a tech company, to a PMS, rather than, you know, in many ways, it's dead easy. How do you how do you instill passion to a beautiful lakeside cottage? You talk about what it feels like to be there. You talk about what the experience is like to be there. You instill that sort of wannabe thing. So I think in, in many ways, that's what you do. It's kind of easy. And, and if it's a property, what you do is you invite a travel journalist or an influencer to come and, you know, come and experience it and then tell, you know, show pictures, all of those things. I think it's much harder, which is why I like it, because it's a challenge, is how do you do that same thing for a guest experience app or a channel manager or a payment solution or a smart lock? You know, how do you then instill that kind of passion about or interest in those other things? And that's really what interests me today. I think PRing a lakeside cottage is table stakes, really. It's, it, that's a pretty easy thing to do. Who doesn't want to go and stay there, you know? Team Lake, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> I end up being the shore kid. Sorry about that. Uh <laughs> So that does it for another episode of The Modern Hotelier. This is the point where, Jessica, you can let us know how like, people can connect with you directly, connect with your company. So plug away. Okay, great. Thank you, David and Steve and John. Firstly, I just want to say thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it and I've very much enjoyed it. But if anyone wants to get hold of me, they can do it on LinkedIn. I'm very open to connections or whatever, or they want to find out a little bit more about what we do at Abode Worldwide. Our website is abodeworldwide.com, pretty easy. Or my email is jessica at abodeworldwide.com. So we've talked quite a lot about vacation rentals here, but we also work with Hotel Tech. So very interested in speaking with anyone if they're interested in finding out more. Thank you so much. So that does it for another episode of The Modern Hotelier. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Thank you. This episode is sponsored by Curator Hotel and Resort Collection. Curator Hotel and Resort Collection is a distinct collection of small brands and independent lifestyle hotels and resorts worldwide, founded by Pebblebrook Hotel Trust and a group of industry-leading hotel operators. Curator provides lifestyle hotels access to a wide breadth of program offerings to enhance the guest experience, improve employee engagement, and create value while allowing their members the freedom to retain what makes their hotels unique. It offers the benefits of associating with other unique lifestyle hotels and brands while participating in best-in-class operating agreements, services, reporting, and technology. In addition to Pebblebrook, the founding members of Curator include Davidson Hospitality Group, Noble House Hotels and Resorts, Sage Hospitality Group, Springboard Hospitality, and Viceroy Hotels and Resorts. You made it to the end of The Modern Hotelier. Thanks for listening. 
The Modern Hotelier is produced by Make More Media. Make sure to like and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube or follow wherever you get your podcasts. If you know of a guest or sponsor that would be a good fit, feel free to email us at hello at themodernhotelier.com. Thanks and have a great day.